The hosts of Two Board Apes are not registered investment advisors. The podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. Nothing said on it should be construed as investment advice. Two Board Apes talking NFTs, DeFi, and some random stuff. <laughs> Two Board Apes talking NFTs, DeFi, and some random stuff. <laughs> Welcome to episode 43 of Two Board Apes. I'm your host, Jamie. I'm here with my friend and co-host, Roy. Roy, how are you? I'm very well, Jamie. I'm I'm extremely full. I just had an enormous meal. As it, <laughs> I want to do. I'm also coughing up a lung <laughs> as I've had a lingering cough. Despite all of that, I, I'm doing well. And despite what? the market, yeah. What are you very full with? I mean, food, yes, but... Uh, mostly sashimi. So, mm. ordered a whole bunch... So Rachel and I... It's tough to uh, get very full on sashimi. I uh, know. It was a lot. So we, we went on a vacation for like three weeks, got back last week, and we ate, obviously, uh, a monstrous monstrous amount of terrible fatty food that, you know... And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we were like, all right, let's start eating healthy. And so we're on the keto diet now um, for a little while, which I'm a fan of. And, you know, when you order sushi, you don't want to get the rice if you're on keto. So we ordered a whole bunch of sashimi. Right. Um, the good thing for me, when I go on vacations these days, I'm, I'm always with a group of people that are just insists on walking. We walk everywhere. Hey, walk we did that as well. Really? Cause yeah. I feel like if I, if it's just me and you, we're like Ubering. Places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, it depends where you go as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Places like Paris, you're walking around. Right. Right. Um, should we talk about NFTs and stuff? We should probably, it's been a while. It's been a while. It has been. It's been a while. It's a reference to a song that gets referenced in a podcast. Anyway, news of the week. News of the week. Um, the biggest thing, although I guess it's maybe slightly over a week old at this point, is the U.S. tear-out slash Luna blow-up. Yeah. That's news um, of the month, news of the year for Yeah, I mean, space. It's, it's the biggest blow-up in crypto history. Mm-hmm. It was a top 10 coin, and then uh, now it's basically worthless. Yeah. And it took 36 hours for it to go from there to there. So that's pretty fucking stunning. Do you want to tell people what, what Luna is, what US Terra is, and, and how it blew up? Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. So uh, Terra is a blockchain, a layer one uh, alternative to Ethereum. I'm pretty sure. I always get Terra and Luna confused. Luna is the coin on the Terra blockchain, I'm pretty sure. Um, And then UST, US Terra, is basically a what they called a stable coin. I'm doing air quotes (laughs) for the listeners. Um, It was stable for a while. It was stable for a while. (laughs) Until Um, it wasn't. A stable coin that they'd used on their blockchain in their ecosystem. And I mean, for those who aren't Super familiar stable coins are basically um, blockchain currencies that, in theory, or, like are designed or ought to be designed to be worth one US dollar um, at all times. At all times, like uh, there are various ways to achieve this. Um, the two most theoretically, companies, right? The safest way is to just back it with at right. least one dollar of n- very. Um, safe, I guess, would be the best way to put it, assets, right? Just like U.S. dollars themselves, for Correct. instance. Then it's very hard for it to depeg. Yeah. There's, um, I mean, so 
that that's like the the most safest. I think it's it's I think USDC literally has that for every USDC coin they have one US dollar sitting in an account. So it's it's fully collateralized, it's backed. And then it's sort of um it's it's a sliding scale where uh for example uh USDT tether it is also theoretically fully collateralized so for every US dollar there is the equivalent of one US dollar in value sitting in an account somewhere and it's it's for them it's not actual dollars in a bank it might be treasury bonds some of it, it might is be, but some of there's it is, also some like of it a lot of corporate bonds and stuff like that yeah. where you have some uh, risk associated with it devaluing yeah, relative to the but, dollar generally extremely low risk for, for that type of thing. Um, and those are like collateralized stable coins. And then on the flip side, you have what are called algorithmic stable coins. Which, which have not really ever worked, but no. people kind of keep trying. And, and yeah. this Terra is an example of one. Yeah. I mean, in theory, like it, if you can get it to work, it sounds amazing, but it, it's, it's seemingly, given how many fail and continue to fail, it sort of seems like it might be a perpetual motion machine thing where it's just not possible to get right but maybe people just haven't figured it out yet but uh the crux of it is that the creators or designers of an, of an algorithmic stablecoin try and design an ecosystem whereby an algorithm maybe an algorithm yeah whereby um the the value of the token while it's not backed by like a dollar for a dollar in theory the structure is so that if in the event that some like for whatever reason it's trading less than a dollar, um, it creates an arbitrage opportunity where bots and savvy investors will just very quickly capitalize on that and and trade it back to the dollar. Um, I mean, I theoretically, that's, that's yeah. sort of how the backed ones ought to be too, because it's still buy and sell pressure. But right. if if people are selling it to the point that it would get below. The, the value backing it, buyers would show up and go, hey, I know there's this much backing right. it. So I'm going to definitely buy it for 99 and a half cents. Yeah, which we actually saw last week. Um, uh, this was literally the most terrified I've ever been about the crypto space. I woke up and the first thing I did was check my, my phone, coin uh, stats, the, my, the tracker to track coin prices. And Tether was trading at like 91 cents. And like to me, if Tether fails, that's like, that's, Monumentally more catastrophic than UST failing because so many more people trust Tether. Yeah, it's um, it's also interesting yeah. that famously anti crypto people have talked about Tether failing for the longest time and how it's not sound and all of this stuff. Mm. And then, you know, somebody um, much more recently, I guess, found this other thing to not be sound and attacked it and quickly destroyed mm. it, which kind of theoretically makes me feel better about tether because if it was that easy to destroy and, and yeah. as fraudulent as people are uh claiming somebody would have made hundreds of millions of dollars already by yeah. blowing it up as it seems like somebody did blowing up us Terra. yeah now do you want to talk through like what exactly happened um in terms of Terra blowing up so i mean at the crux of it the reason it one of the reasons it just unraveled and death spiraled was they were offering a 20 percent apr on your stable coin which when you really think about it, like that is a really difficult return to guarantee forever. It is, um, on and a if you, especially if you can't describe at all, like where, where the return is coming from. Yeah, you know, um, if they're if they're then lending out the money and getting twenty five percent, you go, okay, that that's sort of what yeah. a bank does. But why are the numbers, you know, ten, twenty, mm. fifty, a hundred times bigger than what the the spread is on bank ones? But anyway, um, so I, I 
have seen a lot of sort of speculation, but less in the in terms of like actual um, transactions on the blockchain that we can verify have to do with it. Mm. But what I've heard is that um, at some point, U.S. Terra part of the back this part is for sure part of the backing was Bitcoin. They bought a bunch of Bitcoin to help back the U.S. Terra, um, and now this is where it gets a bit speculative. But what I've heard is that somebody rich, basically, you know, some TradFi money or something, borrowed 100,000 Bitcoin and used about 25% of that Bitcoin to buy US Terra. So now they have a huge Bitcoin position and a huge Terra position. And then they just immediately started selling both of them. And it basically just created a death spiral for the US Terra because the value of the backing of the US Terra, which was largely in this Bitcoin, Mm. was now going down in value. Plus, there was all this sell pressure organically coming from them, or inorganically, if you want to call it that, I guess, on the Terra itself. Um, and, and it just created a death spiral for it. Yeah. And then, um, and then they were able to buy back the Bitcoin for, uh, or, or I'm sorry, give the Bitcoin back at a much lower price and theoretically made off with $700 million in profit or something. Yeah. That's, that's like my rough understanding of how the attack, or quote unquote, the attack worked. I'm not intimately familiar with how the actual, because um, I know that there's a relationship between UST and Luna, where they could like print more Luna, and and like sell it. Yeah. So, so yeah. Luna is basically mm-hmm. my understanding is basically they're um, you know an organization or whatever, almost like Ethereum, but more centralized than that. Because this Duquan guy really seems to be in charge in a big way, but it's just an organization and us Terra is a thing that they create and control Mm. is how I understand it. Um, and they have control over minting more of them and, and stuff like that. And what, what, what goes on behind the scenes in terms of backing it, such as adding the idea to let's have some Bitcoin backing. it. Yeah. And I mean, yes, so this happened a week, 10 days ago. Um, and it was like the market was already bearish. The macro world markets were like not doing well. Inflation, you know, was high, like uh, is high. Um, yeah. And it was just like another um, just awful thing to happen for crypto. And, you know, there was a lot of retail investors lost, you know, life savings, enormous sums of money. Um, actually, the latest sad news that I heard was like, it seems like now maybe. Luna or the Luna Foundation Guard of Terror found a way to like bail out the whales, basically. Yeah, I saw some yeah. speculation of that again. Nothing that I've been able to verify by looking on mm. chain or anything, um, but definitely yeah. it is something that I would believe people yeah. would do, you know? Yeah, just a terrible time in the market. Um, but I would say if, if I were to put a silver lining on all of that, uh, I feel, I guess I was expecting things to be worse. I thought that mm-hmm. a top 10 coin failing on top of everything else happening, um, sure, the markets did crash a bit, but that already sort of by that point crashed quite a bit. I think ETH might have been like 23, 2500, and then it crashed down to like 1700 and then bounced back to around 2K. It's been sitting. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic about the market. I feel like it's, it's shown it's been a resiliency relatively resilient. Um, yeah, that we maybe haven't, wouldn't have seen four years ago, for example. Yeah. I mean, people will definitely also talk about how this is going to invite more uh, scrutiny and, and regulation yeah. and stuff like that, especially on stable coins, which is a thing that people have speculated there would be 
um, just more, more, more negative attention on from regulators and stuff. Yeah. Which I, I mean, I absolutely, it seems like that's the case. I don't necessarily think it, it's a bad, like, I think uh, regulation for stable coins is probably a good thing if done correctly. And, but the fear is that maybe they loop in way too much into like the quote unquote stable coin um, purview. And all of a sudden, they're, they're regulating um, yield farming where you, you farm a stable coin against a non stable coin and, and, and end up over regulating basically rather than just sort of regulating a narrow mm-hmm. scope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's just, I think there's a little bit of a sense from some people in the crypto space about how it's supposed to be its own thing that exists without need of permission of governments mm. and all of this stuff, which is like true, but it's just, it's not going to grow to the size that you're at without governments having official yeah. stances on it and laws pertaining to it. Like, it's just, that's, that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it's also funny too, if this is a bit off topic, but um, people will tell you the IRS is like official stance on how the taxing of this stuff works. And people will be like, that's ridiculous. It's it's not taxable and turn until I turn it into fiat. It's like, <laughs> no, it's not. Like you might want it to be, but that's just not how it is. And yeah, you know, feel free to evade your taxes. I'm by the way, we're not <laughs> advising anybody to <laughs> you can go ahead and act like that's how it works and see how it works out for you. You might get away with it, but that is yeah. literally just because you want it to be that way, that is not how it is. Yeah. But what I mean, while we're talking about the IRS, they have some ridiculous rules. Like of course. Of course. If, and you, if you get airdropped a token, you have to pay tax on like the, the value of it. It, but it doesn't it doesn't make any sense though. Because no. like, yeah, I mean, I've talked about this before. I think I tweeted it. But you know, theoretically, you have an airdrop coming. I, I get it first. I can set up a Uniswap pool where it's valued at a thousand dollars per coin, and I'm airdropping people. All of a sudden, I've, exactly. I've created multi-billion-dollar tax bills for anybody I airdrop. Yeah. It's like it's it, it won't it, hold up in court if it actually gets explained. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I might have I might have told this story on air, but I I, I went I like I put my wallet address or addresses into some st- tax software a couple months ago just to sort of see what it says, and effectively. Due to the sheer number of transactions, because I get airdrop like twenty five things an hour, um, yeah. it just broke. It just did not work, and I, I was like, "Okay, I mean, kind of sucks if I'm trying to use that software to figure out my tax, but also good luck, IRS slash whatever right. ATO in Australia trying to sort through that mess." Yeah, you know? yeah. I did mine by hand, and it was such a pain in the ass. Yeah, I can't imagine doing mine by hand. Um, I'll be doing a hybrid system where it's like part, part by hand, part by software. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else to say on Terra? Luna? Um, I was just, I was wondering if you knew off the top of your head what the peak valuation market cap for, for Terra or Luna was. Off the top of my head, Terra was like 80 billion. Yeah. I mean, the, the ability, you kind of um, alluded to this, but the ability for the crypto market to absorb that big of a blow up without it, it just totally collapsing yeah, um, or sort of even close, I would say to totally collapsing is pretty impressive. Like, yeah. you know, the Bitcoins were off maybe 9% or whatever that day and, and haven't really continued to drift lower. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty impressive to me. I think I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling, yeah. 
Yeah. Bottom is in. <laughs> I called it a couple of days ago. Maybe. Honestly. Yeah. Um, all right. So sort of in tandem, while this was all happening in like regular crypto land, there was an enormous story breaking out in the NFT space. And that's obviously Azuki, um, where it came out that Zagabond, well, Zagabond, the, the project lead it founder. came out from him. Yeah, yeah. He, he basically announced, he made a Twitter thread saying, okay, so I'm, and it was almost like, he was almost proud, like the, the way he was talking about it. He was like, all right, so I've learned from learned is, is a meme. He was talking about how much he learns. But in this Twitter thread, he's talking about how he learned from three previous projects, which ostensibly were like rug pulls or, or projects that the community did not know that he was involved with. And, and most people are not thrilled with the, the outcome of those projects. Uh, crypto Funks, Crypto Zunks, and something called Tendies, which I've never heard of. But um, yeah, that, that news came out. And then for like, while all this terror stuff was happening, the NFT space was going ballistic. And um, the, the floor price of Azuki fell from, I think, around like 24-ish when this broke to uh, the bottom to like seven, um, roughly where I sold. And <laughs> now it's back <laughs> around 13. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. And I mean, even now, like news continues to come out. People continue to almost pick sides and, and like decide where yeah, they're ba- on the, based on whether or not you have Azuki bags for the most part. One of the big things I want to just add to it is that, you know, he I think he maybe even made a blog post that he linked to in the Twitter thread that, that you're talking about. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so. But um yeah. You know, people were a little bit mixed on it, even though obviously they were largely negative. But then mm. later in the day or the very next day, they had a Twitter spaces to basically address oh, it yeah. and talk about it. And, and I did not listen to it, but it sounds like it went absolutely terribly. And he didn't sort of apologize for any of it or or take ownership of any of the negative realities associated with what he was admitting to. And only just kept talking about talking about learning experiences and using yeah. it and all of that. Um, and so that really was sort of the second leg down on on the, the price of Azuki and the public perception of this founder a, a, and his impact on the project or whatever, because it, the, the, the Twitter spaces went so poorly. Yeah, uh, that was my re- I, I also didn't listen to it, but sort of actually what was going on, like someone was like live blogging it basically just like text text version and i was and it was like just negative 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 <laughs> for zagabond yeah. and like I, I didn't hear yeah. a single person go like that was a great defense of yeah um, and i mean the floor price spiraled down a lot i think it was like 15 to begin the space and like eight at the end of it um, yeah which is wild um but they bounced back you know that they've been hovering between 13 and 16 for the last few days uh it does raise an interesting sort of conversation and quandary where it's like it it sucks if like I don't necessarily want the floor price to go to zero because there's so many community people community members and people who have invested and bought in and were sort of blindsided by this and have their the value of it go to zero it, it kind of sucks obviously you know buy beware and it's high risk and all that kind of stuff um, but I think it sort of uh, makes me think about like the difference between like the community and what they can do and the team and how like that relationship interplays um, right. And like I, I said, sort of ever since the announcement is like, I'm bullish on Azuki, I'm bearish on Zagabond. And so mm-hmm. I think that they've been fighting this battle. You know. Part of that is that to this day, they are there's overlap because he's refusing to yeah. step down and they're refusing to kick him out. So it, 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 would, be a di- it would be a much easier uh, 
point of view for me to agree with that sort of if he just if he if he stepped away and now yeah. they work totally separate things but yeah, but he's still associated with it um he still is in a decision making capacity there yeah which which it makes you question sort of the or makes me question the decision making capacity of the other people that are allowing him to stick around yeah um, there's certainly a lot of community members who are like uh we don't want him to leave he's he's done a great job of building out right. the brand and the vision which I mean, it's it's hard to deny they they did execute really well on a lot of things. Um, it's the it's art is also, amazing. The airdrop is great. Yeah, it's cetera, unclear cetera. how much of that was him, obviously, and, and yeah. versus other team members. That's stuff that we're never really going to be able to. And also, maybe internally, they don't know because how do you, you know, what percentage yeah. of two board apes am I versus you? It's like I don't know. Well, I mean, if if your ape sells one of these days, like you keep listing it near it floor, it's going to be a hundred percent me and zero percent you. Right. In in terms of the numbers <laughs> of apes owned by by the host, yes. Um, here's another thing that people talk about um, with it that's sort of interesting is, you know, I'm, and I'm sure you've seen this perspective where people go, "Well, are we saying that failure isn't an option here? Because mm. are, are you not allowed to have a project that doesn't succeed and then do another project?" Um, and then we'll sort of maybe cite traditional business situations where somebody mm. founds a company and it fails and then they do something else, which is um, sort of an interesting perspective. But if you want to really have a direct uh, analogy to that, you know, you're looking at a situation where for NFTs and, and you know, we talk about how the incentives for, for NFTs are kind of weird because the creators get all the money up front for the most part. Right. Mints. But so if you have an NFT project, you get all this money and then, you know, two and a half months later, you decide the community is not working or whatever. Mm. And you just, you know, delete the discord, delete the Twitter, stop working on it, but then leave with the money rather than, you know, spread it back to the investors mm. as people might think of themselves when they buy NFTs, even though really, I think you're basically immediately turning it into an illegal security when you think of yourself yeah. as an investor rather than just a purchaser of an NFT. But, but regardless, if you want to talk about this analogy to whether or not we have failures, the way that an unsuccessful company winds down and treats the the financial backers versus the way an unsuccessful NFT project like these ones that uh, Zagabond mm. had previously founded winds down uh, um, and treats their financial backers very, very different things. So. While it's sort of an interesting thing to think about, you have to also look at, well, what are the differences? You know, this is not an apples yeah. to apples comparison. No, I, I couldn't say it better myself. I think that's exactly, um, it, it's a huge difference between traditional businesses. Yeah. And like, obviously it's okay to, to fail, to learn, to grow and build, but uh, it, when it is at the cost of supporters, whatever you're going to say, retail, everyday right. investors um, or buyers, then... Um, yeah, that then there there needs to be a greater level of accountability and, and right. Yeah. Um it, it also kind of, you know, for the longest time, people have sort of talked about how they want doxed founders. Mm. Um and when you see sort of these people that are able to keep spinning up new projects and, and we only find about it later, it does mm. kind of lend um some credence to the idea that it would be a really good idea to have more docs founders. But again, 
it's up to everybody whether or not they they mint these yeah. things or buy them on the secondary. And you can look ahead of time whether or not the founder is docked. And then yeah, you know, it, it's it's definitely it doesn't matter if if people do the research and the founders are docs or not docs. If the, if the people behind the project are saying we are going to do X, Y, and Z, and then they don't don't do it, like I'm mad at them no matter what, no matter what <laughs> the, the individual buyers have at that point. But you know, there is some great levels here. And again, I do also want to reiterate that for the most part, you should not be thinking of yourself as somebody who is investing in a company when you're buying NFTs right. because that is not what you are doing. You're buying NFTs, and those NFTs, for the most part, are just something that's basically a collectible or a membership to some mm. sort of semi-exclusive group. It's it's not uh, a claim on the financial success of of an entity. You know, right. if if they do cool stuff, if you as a member and the other members of it do cool stuff, and people think, "Wow, it's more valuable to be in," it and the price goes up, that's that's a different. Thing than buying into a company and feeling entitled to the cash flows from it right. if it succeeds or the assets that they've acquired if it fails. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I I just wanted to just keep talking about this for a little bit. And another thing that people have been talking about that's a bit relevant is that um, as the news came out, obviously there was a ton of selling. But, you know, the royalties went back to this team mm. that that is the cause of all of that. And I, don't, I think I saw some numbers. I can't remember them now. But, you know, in the three days after or something, they made like six million dollars in royalties. Yeah, it's sort, which is sort of a funny, sick thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, the amount of money projects make in royalties is, I don't know, I think or it's like, unsustainable. You know, the, the, the top very right. few projects. Yeah. Um. <laughs> We done with Azuki? I think so. And, and Zagabond and US Terra and Duquan. Yeah. And then last item on the, the news of the week is I wanted to quickly touch on the OK Bears and the not OK Bears project, which sort of brings into like a, the larger conversation of Solana, uh, Solana Summer, Solana Ecosystem, Solana NFTs. There's a lot more. The As Kobe would say, the meta seems to be shifting towards Solana NFTs, at least a bit, um, at least for the last couple of days. Maybe it ends in a couple of days. but um. Yeah, this OK Bears project, I think, I, I don't know what I minted out at, but a few weeks ago, it was at like 10, 20, 30 uh, Solana. And now it's at like 250, so it's like 10x in not that long. And it's just sort of like the project, I guess, for Solana that, that everyone is talking about. Because, I mean, OpenSea has now sort of supported Solana as well. So I think it's just getting a lot more visibility across the Ethereum ecosystem. Like in the past, you wouldn't know about what successful Solana projects were unless you were checking like Magic Eden, unless you were on Twitter following Solana people. Right. And now it's like everyone checks OpenSea every day. They see all these Solana projects and it's like, it's just the best advertising anyone could hope for. Yeah. Um, one thing I find a little bit funny about it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because I, I haven't paid too close of attention, but the Not Okay Bears is now an Ethereum project, right? Right, yeah. So, so, so the, everyone... the joke for so long has been you know, from Ethereum people that, okay, Solana, fine, do your own thing. Like, we're happy if you make your own NFT ecosystem. But all they ever yeah. do is steal Ethereum 
<laughs> NFT ideas and then, you know, change the color of the background or, or something pathetic like that. And, that, and now Ethereum, it, you know, it's, it's weird to say Ethereum is doing this, Solana is doing this, <laughs> individual people, but now Ethereum is doing the exact same thing. They go, oh, there's a successful project over here. We can flip <laughs> it and make it our own. You want to know something really funny? So, like, as you were talking that, I just went to OpenSea and looked at like, the top collections. Um, not OK Bears has been, I guess, taken down from OpenSea, so it's not there anymore. But the sixth highest top collection over the last 24 hours on OpenSea is the Bored Ape Solana Club. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Yeah. And this is, it's, the art is literally Bored Apes. It's, it, yeah. it has not changed. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, also one, on Ethereum, there's there's seven of those, right? There's zero X apes and all. Yeah, this yeah, stuff. yeah. There's all sorts. It's just, oh, it's all a joke. All right, yeah, we're, think, we're done yeah. with this section, right? News yeah. of the week for ape your club. Huh. <laughs> huh. This coffee is really bedeviling you. Bedeviling. Not a word I hear often. I use it pretty often. Um, uh-huh. What's going on in the Board API Club? Well, I mean, a lot since we last chatted. I think had other side other deeds launched. I think maybe it they had. just had. Yeah, it had, yeah. Um, but anyway, more recently they today announced their details for Ape Fest, which take place the same time as NFT NYC, June twentieth, twenty third, and. I think last Ape Fest, they had like several different events scattered at different times on different days. And this time they just said, June 20th, 23rd, 5 to 10 p.m., apes are taking over PS17. So it's basically one day, big venue, seemingly, that everything is going to happen at. Yeah, I'm going to read the next tweet. It says, Can't wait for four wild nights of unforgettable performances and hanging with you at this one of a kind spot. We're going big. Pier 17 is an indoor-outdoor waterfront venue with panoramic views, an epic 1.5-acre rooftop. That is a large rooftop. Uh, and a capacity, really of, a capacity of 3,400 each night, which is uh, double last year's. And then, and then they said, no info to come. Actually, whoa, I just saw a photo of it. It looks fantastic. Yeah, I saw the same it looks, it looks like a, um, yeah, just like it's going to be a massive party every night for four nights. Yeah. Um, yeah, are you? You'll be there, right? I believe so. I I don't have plans firmly booked. This is um, we're getting close though, so I should probably work on it. But um, I, I do have to figure out my NFT NYC slash Ape Fest slash World mm. Series of Poker plans mm. sooner rather than later. Totally forgot about the World Series of Poker again. Uh, Rachel and I booked our flights to Amsterdam and New York and stuff yesterday, and it didn't even enter my mind to consider coming to. World Series, Even though I tried to get you to enter the, the teams event, yeah, I mean, my my memory is awful. Like it's it's getting worse. Just probably not yeah. as bad as your Nolan and Hold'em tournament play, though. I mean, good God! I mean, that's got to be bad as well. Yeah, <laughs> if um, you combine the both with how bad I was at in it, Hold'em, and then how long it's been, and then my memory, it's like, yeah, I don't know. What's you would not a good be a good hand? partner to have. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know about your play. Maybe I'd lift you up. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not taking that bait. That's bait, and I'm not taking it. All right, all right. Um, Ape Fest. I'll be there. Uh, well, I'll be at NFT NYC, and I'll be in town. So, I mean, obviously, it's just going to clash with infinite other events because it's every single night. We have we have a Zen Academy event on the 23rd, and then a 333 Club event, most likely on the 22nd. 
Uh, that's it for us. But then uh, Moonbirds and Proof is on the 21st, I believe. And I kind of want to go to that. Um, and then, although actually the Zen Academy event, now that I think about it, it'll probably be over by like 6 p.m. So maybe maybe I can go to the last half of the Save Fest thing. Yeah. The last half of that one day of it or something? Last half of that one day, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's still not a lot of details. People were complaining like as of a week ago, like, I, I want to buy tickets, but like you've given us no details about yeah. what this thing is. All, all, all we had was dates, and now we have a little bit more information, yeah. but it's still a little bit light on details of specifics. They sort it's of really, implied that there'd be a good concert or something, but yeah, um, it's really funny because you know, not it wasn't just like people going to NFT NYC to, to attend it, but like I've been talking to a lot of like project founders who are planning events, and and we've all, all been complaining about like we we wish. Four days would release their schedules. So we can like plan around it because yeah. if it was like last year, no one wants to book an event the exact night that. And then Bordage came like, all right, every single night we're just taking over. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's like okay, yeah. But I mean, all, well, it's kind of nice that all this stuff is on chain because theoretically, like all these projects can look at how much overlap there is between their holders and a- and they holders yeah. and see if there even is enough overlap to to worry about it or not. Just kind of cool. Yeah, that's a really cool idea. I hadn't yeah I hadn't thought of that. But actually, I really like I like this approach with board apes, which is like the same time four nights in a row. Um, because I like I feel okay missing two or three of them as long as long as I can get to one of the nights. Whereas yeah. if it had been similar last year, where it was like we have this big warehouse event, you don't want to miss that one. And then all right, we have a merch thing. Yeah. It it also yeah. seems like there's going to be and I again we don't know because there's not a ton of details, but the the size of it and the continuity of it means to me there's going to be a lot more just casual hanging out. Um, at least in mm. some parts of it for some hours. Whereas before it was like, because it was in all these different places and it was all these different events, there was like only maybe like, I think the merch drop or whatever was supposed to be a, kind of a more casual hangout thing. Um, yeah. Even though the line made it kind of not that. Um, that was a hangout in and of itself. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Um, but in terms of actually being, you know, somewhere where you could sit down for instance as part yeah. of the hanging out or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean that's that's some ape fest news oh sorry board ape news um they released a go on the um we we got word that the other deeds the artifacts and the codas would basically become separate nfts that can kind of be oh, i didn't know that or interacted with uh onto onto different lands and stuff like that okay um, so there was definitely a lot of speculation and thought at least for the codas that that's mm. like that would be the case but it, it, they confirmed that that was going to be the case for artifacts and codas that's good to know good to know um what, what was i going to say oh they released uh, like a little a teaser trailer for other side of like an ape running uh, around yeah. the 3D game, environment. A gameplay that, one, not gameplay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, a gameplay. It looked pretty cool to me. Like, but all, but also look, yeah. So the other thing, it looks good. It looks great on the scale of NFT stuff, but it also just looks like many sort of open worldy games that we've all yeah. seen before. But the fact that it's like with the IP of it and stuff, and and mm-hmm. you know, the potential is very cool and big. Um, yeah, but it. You know, if you show us graphics to a game now, we've all we've all seen yeah. big games <laughs> with smooth animation before. It's like it's that in and of itself is not anything that any of us need to write home about anymore. Did you happen to watch that uh, Harry Potter trailer clip I sent you the other day? 
I think I sent it to you. Someone um, doesn't sound at, familiar at all. There's a Harry Potter game coming out, and it looks fantastic. Oh, I did not. I did not. Yeah, looks just phenomenal. Uh, like, yeah. Anyway, I was just getting excited as a Harry Potter fan, as a gaming fan. It was like it had role playing RPG elements. It had open world running around, and it was really, really cool. Maybe, maybe that's how we get Kayla into video games. I don't think so. No. Okay. Maybe, okay. but I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, she begrudgingly will play, play like, um, what? What is it? You don't know Jack with us occasionally. Is that what it's called? You don't know Jack. Is that what? It- <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, it's like you're playing sort of on your phone, but also on the TV, and it's like a bunch of mini Jackbox? games. Jackbox. <laughs> you don't know Jack is, is sort of the company's name or something like that. <laughs> oh, People grudgingly play that sometimes, but that's about as close yeah. as it gets. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, ape stuff. Ape stuff. Yeah. I mean, floor prices are holding up, I think, pretty well given the bear market. Yeah. The, the Basically, the day of the... Well, the eight coin itself has dropped a huge amount. Oh, you yeah. You mentioned that. But the, basically, the the full package, and what we mean by that basically is uh, an ape, the dog you would have got with it, the mutant you would have got with it, the eight coin you would have got with all three of those, and then the two other deeds you would have got, one from the ape and one from the mutant. The total value of that, the day of the other deeds drop, um, peaked at like something over $700,000. And then wow. within like four days, I think maybe even less than that, two and a half days or something, it had dropped like well over 50% down to like $300,000 because yeah. mostly because of the ape coin dropping from like $26 down to like $6, but also the apes went from like maybe 145 down mm. to 90. Um, yeah. So in general, there was basically a huge bear market after the drop. Um, yeah. But now, now things seem to have leveled off. Yeah. Almost the exact same thing happened after mutants as well. Like everything kind of crashed. Um the whole market sort of crashed for a little while afterwards. Yeah. Uh, I mean the yeah. the ape coin thing is sort of theoretically very easy to see coming, right? People needed it for the biggest yeah. drop in NFT history. And then after that, you can't imagine a concept where there would be a bigger drop off demand. in demand yeah. for this com- the, how could it not have a huge drop in demand? So you basically just needed people to really not want to sell, which, you know, it is fine at first, but each incremental person that decides to capitulate leads to more and more people like me at the bottom, basically. Yeah. Um, well, I guess in, in theory, uh, those who didn't sell, myself included, were like probably saying, well, maybe Yuga's going to make an announcement today or tomorrow talking about future utility for Ape. Point but, but and... yes, I mean that's that's for sure true. And you know, they say that other side is going to be powered by it. So like all the microtransactions within it and stuff theoretically are going to be price and ape, but but still the the degree of that and the speed of that happening yeah. compared to how much people needed ape for this drop yeah. is just it's it's crazy how much demand has to be temporarily at least dropping mm. for yeah. it. Yep, and, and yet I still didn't sell one at the twenty six hour peak. Right, yeah, me either. Hindsight, etc. Yeah, et whatever. I, uh. I actually I tweeted after um, something like, uh, you know, I I cried 
because I fumbled my ApeCoin bag until I met a man who got no ApeCoin airdrop at all. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's very it's, fair. It's, it's hard to really get too upset about it. It's like when people were complaining about the last uh, merch drop for whatever reason, um, whether it was costing a lot in ApeCoin or something. It's like, but you got the ApeCoin for free. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you don't, you can just not buy the hoodie if you think it's overpriced. Yeah. That would have been some expensive merch when you value it at like when eight. Yeah, yeah. People, people were definitely joking about, oh my god, this stuff that I thought I was <laughs> buying for seventy dollars, I really bought for two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, but again, it's it's again back to the initial prices because the yeah the price is or, pretty similar. I think I think it was around seven dollars, maybe um, something like that at the time of the merch drop. Yeah, I can't remember for sure though. Me either. Anyway, Wait, it looks like we're right below nine right now. Last I checked. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Um, I think this is this wraps up the Board Ape Yacht Club segment. I think so. Board Ape Yacht Club. Yacht Club. Our Our love. Love. <laughs> um so we already talked about them changing the release schedule the mm-hmm. last time we recorded a regular episode. But uh the the Mighty Art Blocks Bull Run of 2022 had not happened, so we can no. talk about it. You're saying yeah. no, it had not happened? It had not happened, I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was crazy now it has. So we can talk about that. That was fun um, yeah. while it lasted, which was yeah. 30 hours, maybe. <laughs> Something like that. I think it was a little more, because I remember, like, I think there were two days in a row where I woke up and, like, excitedly checked my phone and looked at the sales feed in, in Block Talk, uh, sorry, in the Art Blocks Discord, and um. Anyway, like maybe it is last forty eight hours. Yeah, it went all blurry. I don't know how that happened. Now it's good. Uh, but yeah, you know, art blocks. The whole market was sort of tanking a bit, and then art blocks just. I, to my mind, it had been bubbling for a while. Like we sort of saw prices plateau and, and like bottom out. I think the most the recent curated Web. project, Anti Cyclones, was doing well. Mm. Um, and that's I feel always one of the biggest factors to how the overall art blocks market does is when a new project succeeds that just brings more attention to it um, in yeah. general and makes people sort of more excited for it um, and reminds people of the value and beauty mm-hmm. of existing stuff, whatever. Um, and so that was part of it. And then it seems like just basically a couple big buyers came in. I think Vincent Vando and six, five, two, nine specifically were just mm-hmm. kind of buying stuff. And then, so other people started buying stuff and people were hanging out block talk again and looking at the sales feed and yada yada and and a bunch of projects basically mooned for two days and then kind of recrashed to in general around the same price or you know somewhere up to maybe fifty percent higher than they previously had been. Yeah, I see some projects certainly ended up higher, um, but many went straight back down. And yeah, yeah, but it, it was fun, and I think like- even since then. Like we've we've seen sort of like a steady thing, uh, like steady amount of sales, and then every like every now and then, so a whale will come in and sweep just a ton of of one collection, like we saw yeah, with the uh, Unigrids one happened. Unigrids yesterday. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, <laughs> uh, I think we saw a Chimera sweep uh, a week ago or something, or like a few yeah, days ago. Squigglemint also happened. We can talk about that. That was pretty big. Yeah, three hundred squig- new squiggles were minted. Uh, we both got one. You got a True. rare one, or like a slightly. I got rare a somewhat one. rare one. Yeah, I got a ribbed ribbed 
Um, I got a uh, didn't have any rare treats, but the the aesthetics of it I think are fantastic. But yeah, it looks nice. Uh, yeah, it looks really really nice. <laughs> I oh my god, <laughs> I was I was squiggless, so it's very nice to get have one again. Oh I, nice, yeah. I had one and then I traded it for um, my summer fragments of the infinite field. So mm. I was without one for six months or something. Now I don't, I don't something like that. Um, so it's nice to get one again. Yeah, no, that's um. I don't know. Squiggles oh. are just obviously iconic. Yeah. yeah. During during this, at the very beginnings, basically, of this bull run when things were happening, I was sort of thinking that prices might take off because um, it seemed like something was bubbling. And I had just mm. recently, maybe two days prior to that, basically calculated if I wanted to shore up the gaps in my curated collection, what how many different projects can I get one piece from? at the lowest end of the price range. So I saw mm-hmm. that like, you know, for, for three ether or whatever, I could get one piece from each of the seven or 12 cheapest projects. I didn't have one in. Um, so I ended up grabbing one each from, I believe it was exactly the 10 cheapest curated projects. I didn't have one from, for like 2.4 ETH or something like that uh, on the morning of, <laughs> and then, you know, the, the <laughs> full run happened basically almost immediately after that. So I was up like 75%. immediately and then now it's all kind of even again but i think i had 17 one of 17 collections and now i have one from 27 and then add in the squiggle now i'm up to 28 uh nice and i believe there's 56 total curated projects so i'm a little Mm. bit over 50 percent, which is nice um it's really nice yeah don't don't quote me on that math because i i'm thinking now i was gonna quote you on it jamie i was gonna quote you on it (laughs) um yeah so that was that was kind of nice to fill in those gaps yeah I mean, yeah, it, it was just fun again. Like, not not that it's never, not that it's ever not been fun. Just collecting art blocks and and popping into block talk and and appreciating it and, and all that. But it's just obviously that much more fun when more attention is on it, when prices are going up, and yeah, there's just a yeah. And, and also within block talk, it also has the sales feed. So this yeah. the, the sales give people something in there, something to talk about, um, mm. which which kind of just helps the amount of discussion or whatever yeah it was also like when the last bull run like massive run happened last year june july august december so many people hung out in block talk like all day every day and then as things got bearish people like dispersed went to different discords worked on their own projects did other things and then it was just like almost like a reunion where like all right yeah things are pumping everyone's back oh hey i haven't seen you in a while hey etc etc yeah it was yeah. fun obviously like the hardcore core supporters have always been hanging out in block talk every day. Yeah. Um, I hang out in trade swaps, but, but for the most part, not block talk. Yeah. I look at a lot, but uh, I I wish all the people that were in block talk would go to trade swaps though. Cause I feel (laughs) like it's almost a ghost town there. And I have so much stuff I'm trying to trade into or out of mostly into really. And then stuff I'm willing to trade out of to get Mm -hmm. it. Um, but boy, I did not get a lot of bites on my, on my posts. Well, what are you trying to trade into? Um, you know, get it out on the air. We got we got listeners. Maybe someone will reach out true. to. You. If they really want to know, they should honestly just go to trade swaps because I might <laughs> do the same post every four days or whatever. But I got a list of winter fragments, you know, because because I do want to upgrade my winter to to make my set a little bit nicer. Um, I still want a dreams by Joshua Bagley, and I have a specific list of ones that I'm interested in. And I'm also kind of trying to get into, I think. Um, Spectron, Archetype, and maybe a couple others that I mentioned specifically in there. 
Archetype. Still saying it, archetype. Archetype? What is it again? It's oh, been boy. so long. Archetype. I, I bid on a bunch of those today, too. That was kind of fun. And I came close, actually, during that that bull market to buying one. The second cheapest one yeah. that was listed as it was kind of popping off and I was looking, I was like, ooh, I really like this one. I think it was 14F, which is a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't end up pulling the trigger. And then and then Bob Lucas bought it. Um, so I didn't have to worry about you know buying it anymore because he took that option away from me. Yeah. And then and then they ran up a little bit more and then dropped and have sort of settled around I think 15 is the floor now. Yeah, they were they were standing pretty firm at 17 for a bit there but now I think it's 15 and a half. Yeah. Um let's see. Did you get any anticyclones? I did not. I did not. I they all look sort of nice to me but for the most part none of them look like something i need to have um mm-hmm. so just for the for the amount that the community likes them and has bid them up they're just they're they're not within yeah. my price range fair enough um there's no i don't think there's a curated drop that's been announced yet the next one has not been announced that sounds right to is, me yeah um what else was there i think that's it Oh well, yeah, we can talk about FX hash a little bit. It's, it's just, I think popping off even more. Like may, maybe sort of like the Arplooks bull round that we saw is now like FX hash is having their moment of that, which I've sort of been hearing about for the last day or two. Let's see if it continues. Yeah, yeah. I think cool. more people are also just feeling that it's valid enough to collect, I guess, you know, because yeah. there is a lot of people that are close to being F maxis and they're just very reluctant to mm-hmm. uh, collect at all on other blockchains. But I think that you never really have people that are willing to collect on a blockchain like Tezos and then decide to kind of stop. So it's just, it slowly trickles up as more people go, you know what, this art's nice enough. Even if maybe I think that the blockchain is not quite as stable as Ethereum, yeah. I like this art and this artist enough that I'm going to buy this. It's yeah. generally speaking quite a bit cheaper than the stuff on F, so it's it's not as if I'm paying the same price for for less, um, you know, security and stuff. You're paying less, so it's kind yeah. of an okay trade-off to people, even if they really believe in Ethereum more so. Um, and yeah. and I think more of the generative art collectors have made their way over there. Yeah, I think that's accurate. For sure. There's also, I guess, you know, because it's it's proof of stake from the beginning. It's it's a, a clean blockchain, mm. so to speak. Um, and so yeah. you have a lot of people that love art but hate global warming. I, I I would say I'm one of them. Um, but there are also people who take that to such a level that they won't engage with any proof of work blockchains. Mm. And so maybe they're interested in the concept of generative art. They like it, um, but they won't collect it on Ethereum. And now FX hash is just getting enough, you know, name brand recognition and stuff that people are finding it and go, ooh, ooh, I wanted to get in on this, but I didn't want to contribute to global warming by being part of Ethereum. So now I can do it over here on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agree with all of that. All right. This has been our arts and generative art in general. Our projects. Ah, project. Our projects. Our projects. <laughs> um, Roy, do you want to talk about our projects? It seems like you do. That's 
that's what we kind of do in this segment. It's kind of what we do in the segment, sure. Although, I'll, although I'll, technically speaking, right, only you have an ongoing project. I guess so. Yeah. Well, you have a project. Well, you have. I have. A, I have a bunch of art NFTs that I have already created. Yeah, and they exist. But I would say that your learning experiences for learning generative art—that's sort of a project. It's just not an NFT project yet. Okay, but then if you want to talk, we could talk about. <laughs> Almost anything that of us do, if that counts as a, a, a. Although you know, ultimately, it is going to probably be an NFT project, and I'm I'm sort of cultivating the code now down to um, being more like a long form generative art project rather than sort of one off learning, which is how it mm. had started. By the way, my my headphones have been beeping about low battery for the last twenty minutes or so of this recording, so I'm getting a little <laughs> oh, worried boy. that at one point I'm just going to stop hearing you. <laughs> Uh, but oh, hopefully boy. not. Um, right. Tell us about Zen Academy, though. You've been on vacation, so at, maybe I should tell you about what's been going on. While you All right, tell going. me. What's been happening in Zen Academy, Jamie? I, I actually don't know. I, I come into the Two Board Apes and the All Things Art channel a little bit, but other than that, yeah. I don't really know. I guess uh, Deathly um, Hallows is coming up for, for that. Yeah, we have a movie night. We're watching the last Harry Potter movie uh, in a few days. Uh, I mean, Zen Academy is going well, going great. It's... Yeah, I was away for three-ish weeks, and it kept running. You know, the team is excellent. You know, kept things under control. Well, actually, <laughs> there was that hack in the three-three-three, but I think we covered that last week. We did. Um, but within Zen Academy itself, yeah, I mean, more people keep joining. People seem to be enjoying the space and appreciating it, and I love people that are joining, and the community is great. And uh, I guess coming up soon, we have a few exciting things. We have. Uh, a new website launching very soon, um, just a basic website, and then a Git book launching soon, um, and then the two li- uh, live events. You said a basic uh, website, and then what, what did you say after that? A Git book. It's sort of like a repository. Uh, a lot of websites use it for like their white paper or just for like information about the project. Because Discord, I think, is great for like chatting. It's not yeah. the best place to go find information about like Almost about like a project, a, like, a, like a, a wiki. A wiki. Yeah, okay. it's very yeah, it's basically like a Wikipedia, but just like a Zen Academy page um, or or book, get book. It's like yeah. Anyway, that'll be launching soon, which I think will be helpful for a lot of people. But what I'm most excited about are the the two um, in person events we have coming up. So, um, MET Amsterdam, we will be there. I will be there. Rachel will be there. A couple of team members will be there. What does that June, stand for? I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. June fourteenth to seventeenth. So if you're in Europe, especially M-E-T, if you're in Amsterdam, saying it is M E T M E T Metaverse. That, that would make sense. Better. Yeah. Let me. Let me. Uh, I'm searching now. Uh, where the metaverse and reality come to meet. M E T Amsterdam. So cool. it's not an acronym. Not that I can. Okay. See, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I'll be speaking there uh, at part of like the conference thing, and then on a panel, and then we've rented out a space. Uh, <coughs> we've got it for two days, um, and we're trying to figure out what times we'll have like a, a gathering, an event for Zen Academy holders and people to come hang out and stuff, and that should be fun. What are you laughing at? I'm just the amount that you've coughed this episode is funny. We should probably <laughs> apologize to the listeners. Yeah, I apologize too. Maybe maybe Brian can work the magic and get most of the coughing out <laughs> or something. Um anyway, yeah, that'll be cool. And then I would say even more exciting, 
um, is NFT NYC because we'll have a much larger event. More people will be there. Um, one for Zen Academy, one for the 333 Club. Uh, details, like full details, check the Discord for that. But 99% sure um, Zen Academy event will be on June 23rd from like 3 to 6 p.m. Uh, and it's going to be in like a book shop, bookstore that they sort of like convert into an event space. So I guess they move the bookshop. You know book the name of it? Side. Uh, I can find out. It's not that important, but I... Yeah, I'll tell I, you later. Um, and I was I'll just kind of soon. vaguely wondering if it was The Strand, which is the uh, a bookstore that I happen to know. Don't believe it's The Strand. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, it's cool, though. Uh, apparently, uh, 100% of the money that we spend for hiring at the space is donated to charity. So it's like they, they just use it for, yeah, for fundraising for charity rather than oh, okay. to line their own pockets. Yeah. Um, which I really, cool. really like. Yeah. So that'll be fun. We have some merch coming. We have some hoodies being made, especially for um, some Zen Academy hoodies, the 333 Club hoodies uh, for nice. holders. They'll be given out. And then, yeah, the 333 Club, we have a, uh, most likely on the 22nd, so the day before, a dinner um, location TBD still. But uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about both. Nice. And yeah, a bunch of other stuff happening in Zen Academy as well. But uh, New York is out. fun. New York is fun, yeah. So we'll be there for Rachel and I will be there for like a couple of days before and a couple of days after as well, just to because I think during the event there's gonna be very little time to like actually go, like I want to go to um, be a couple or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or go, go to a nice meal, go to a yeah. museum, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then now, are, are are you worried that even when you're not doing the events, you're just gonna be swamped with fans because you're just, you're just <laughs> whatever, you know? <laughs> Uh <laughs> O'Neill comes up to you and goes, Oh my god, are you <laughs> like who are you? Oh yeah. Wow. You're you're very it's tall. Sort of sir. An, that's sort of an insight to it, but I think people know. I it. think we've show, told it on the on the show. We um, we definitely have, but it was enough yeah. episodes ago and blah blah blah. Well, I expect every listener to have listened to every single episode. Yeah, and memorized every single thing. Yeah. hundred percent. <laughs> Uh yeah, uh, I was gonna say one more thing that I'm uh, excited about for Zen Academy. Oh yeah, uh, so I'm flying to Dubai in like twelve days, ten days to film two more courses with Nas Academy that will be available for free to all holders. Uh, one is on uh, community management and growth, like growing a community, because that's something that a lot of people want to know about. And the other is on sort of like the the mental health side of things with Web three and NFTs and just like staying sane and i think that um a lot of people seem to appreciate the content i produce that's sort of in that ilk and so i decided that making sort of a more structured course on it ideally just like maybe sharing some more proactive tips like often the content i produce is like band-aids or it's not band-aids but like people read it and appreciate it when they're in a place of hurting and it helps them but i think that being proactive so that maybe um you aren't over-invested so that when the market crashes, you aren't as depressed or that you, um, whatever, stuff like that. And, and it'll be a, a more comprehensive overview of, of that side of stuff. Um, are, are they yeah. designed to be consistent? Like, I'm not, I'm not familiar with Nas Academy, but your last one was, what, six hours or something like that? I think it was like 10 to 12. It was like five okay. days. And, with a, and now are these going to be approximately the same or is there a lot of variability? 
in the courses based on a lot on- more variability. These will be uh the plans for them to be shorter. Like I think that was a bit long. Um okay. the mental health one I'm certain will be much shorter. Uh and then the community growth and management one, uh TBD in between. Like, yeah, in between. Um and with the the first course was how to launch an NFT project and it was very much structured in the sense that like we talked about the beginnings, like deciding on a blockchain and then, you know, evaluating other projects and building community, building a team and it like stay every day, like built up. Whereas I think for with like, say the mental health one, it might just be like five to 10 different sort of like modules and topics that people can maybe pick yeah. and choose and say, oh, that one appeals to me. Oh, I already know all about um, diversifying my portfolio. I don't really need to hear about that, but yeah, et cetera. Dealing with downswings is something that I could learn about. So exactly, downswings or burnout yeah, yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and one final note on that as well is that uh, we will have another content creator, um, Swambat, for those who know him, uh, who's also coming to Dubai to film his own course um, on uh, like evaluating NFT projects from an investor's perspective or uh, yeah, someone, etc. Um, and that will also be free. Financial perspective. Financial perspective, yeah, that that's probably a better word. Um, yeah, that's that's a bunch of stuff that's happening with Zen Academy and three three three, and uh, what's happening with your NFT project, Jamie? Well, um, as I alluded to earlier, um, I am, you know, I've been learning Q five JS for two months now. I don't really, I don't know how time works. As you like to say, time <laughs> is weird. It um, is. And I've done a lot of exploring. I'm still definitely exploring and learning, but I'm also getting to the point where I'm sort of finding a sort of theme that I can lean into and um, some aesthetics that are I'm consistently liking and learning how I can um, wrap that in a single piece of code that has sufficient variability between these different aesthetics that I'm enjoying um, and how I can actually structure that in a project. And so now I, I'm actually sort of have that as a goal that I'm working towards. Um, and that's that's basically it. And, you know, I'm continuing to release just some images of, of stuff, of, of outputs that I have um, on my Twitter and on my Instagram. Um, and I'd that would look for, great. Yeah, like, I, thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm definitely happy with a lot of the stuff. Um, and I, I just I'd be happy for people to uh, you know follow me on Twitter and Instagram to to check them out and also maybe hang out in the All Things Art um, channel in the in the Zen Academy Discord because I'm also talking about it and sharing it in there and Two Board Apes one as well yeah really, um, which um, all of our listeners basically can get into with the with the listener as well yeah uh, I want to ask do you sort of have any idea or inkling in terms of like how much like when you think you might be in a comfortable position to actually launch an actual generative NFT project? Do you think like you're like one or two weeks away or like six months away or something in between? Realistically, it's definitely in between those. Um, if I dropped all the other stuff, I could I could theoretically have an FX hash project up in three days or something mm-hmm. that I would be somewhat okay with. Um but I, I don't know a ton right now about, um, like, for instance, I have something set up where there's a ton of variability in what outputs I can get given my inputs. Um, 
but the ability to take a transaction hash and get it to really split up amongst all of these different things in, in an aesthetically pleasing way is something that I still have a lot of work to do. Um, and so to have a project that I'd be happy with, it feels like that's something that's more like two months away or something. Um, but, um, you know, my, my capability right now is, is definitely close to being able to do it. But, um, you know, the, the combination of the artistic side um, with, with the technical side, it's going to be longer than that. But six months, I definitely, if I want to, can have a project out that I'm pretty happy with before then. I've been a little busy because this, my Celtics have been doing so good. So I've been watching a lot of basketball lately. Mm-hmm. Um, watching all their games plus a bunch of the other games, uh, and then w- we had that trip to Nashville. So I had a little bit of a break where I wasn't able to do it, but um, now I'm getting back into the swing of it again. Um, and nice. I've also been kind of designing it a lot in my notebook here. Um, let me see if I can kind of hide this one. Doing something like this, um, where I'm just sort of oh yeah, looking at the different types of layouts. So basically, the inspiration for it was basically Vera Molnar, who who is a very OG uh, French generative artist. Um, and she does a lot of stuff with squares that I just find to be simple yet beautiful. And so I've been kind of working a lot with that. Roy's got a little bit of a smirk on his face. I'm not sure if he's just oh, an accidental smirk. OK. Um, and so th- this was sort of me kind of planning out um, what some of the different compositions that she had that I like are that I could kind of riff on and some of the ones that are uh, maybe sort of completely my own. Uh, are you falling asleep? Oh, <laughs> no, it's, because the video <laughs> has been freezing. It happened to freeze when you were waking and it looked like you were like uh, mocking, <laughs> mocking me falling asleep there. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm having fun doing that. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Check, no, I mean, that sounds awesome. I mean, just the idea that, like, within in two months, you, you could have a project that you're pretty happy about is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I've talked about in previous episodes the idea of whether or not to actually do a long form project mm. versus just minting pieces um, individually that I like where I'm curating it. Um, and I've kind of gone back and forth on that. And I'm still not totally sure what the plan is. Um, mm. You know, there's, there's, when you do the on-chain stuff, if you, especially if you're doing it on art blocks, for instance, mm. where the, you know, the, we can get lost in the weeds here, but the art block stuff, you're basically, the token has the information to recreate the image. Whereas on something like FX hash, the image is just stored in I, IPFS, which is um, pretty, we think, you know, decentralized and, um has good longevity, but it's not the same level as the stuff mm. where you're just um, storing the code that can recreate the image. Um, and, you know, if I was to do the the non-long form thing, it would be more of the just IPFS stuff. Um, and, you know, people have different opinions on that and all yeah. that. But right now, you know, I'm getting closer to doing the long form generative thing because, because I'm finally getting good enough at the code and having enough of a um, overview of what what I would like the project to be that still has a nice through line uh, um, of similarity with good variability. Very cool. Very cool. I mean, I, I think both approaches are obviously interesting. I, I'm more, I, I, I'm, I'm quite excited by the idea of non-long form generative art where you just pick the outputs because it's just different. And I think it yeah. can be 
could be cool. We're so not used to it because we basically mm. were introduced to the idea of generative art through art blocks, which just does yeah. the long form stuff. Um, but if you look at, um, you know, like K, K Galad, Kajetelli, I'm not sure how to say that name, but the guy who did archetypes, archetypes. You're not sure how to say that either. I'm not. I really am not. It's funny. <laughs> um, but anyway, he, on foundation, he has NFTs that he minted where he's clearly using basically, I don't want to say the same algorithm, but a, a precursor to the algorithm that created archetype. And they're like one of ones that mm. have that same aesthetic and they're amazing. Um, yeah. So to be able to kind of hand curate and do stuff like that, if there was demand mm. would kind of be fun too. Um, yeah. And theoretically, you know, if I'm, if I'm at this for a long time, which I hope to be, um, you know, I'll probably just eventually have some of each. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Cool. Uh, should we play? What am I thinking? If you'd like, yeah. I'd like. I'd like. Okay. I just had the thought. Like, imagine if this is someone's first episode of True Words yeah. they're listening should to. Should we play? What am I thinking? And then there's just a long silence. Long silence, where we don't explain the rules of the game. Yeah, of an obscure game. Um. Okay, I have my word. All right, me too. Three. Crystal ball. <laughs> I thought your, your three, two, one. That your was what I was supposed to be doing, but I couldn't register an acknowledgement. Right, I got to think anyway. of a new word now. Oh, okay. I was just going to tell you what mine was and we could go from there, but. <laughs> well, what was yours? Well, no, okay. I, 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 I gotta, I gotta <laughs> are we or are we not having you pick a new one? I, I've got a new one. I got a new one. Okay, three, two, one. Chess. Credit card. Credit card, and chess. Hmm. Credit card <laughs> and chess. Those one. feel pretty far apart to me. They are fairly far apart. Credit card and chess. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Prize pool. Prize pool and backgammon. Okay. 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 Now, how, how is backgammon related to credit cards? Well, so uh, my first thought was uh, gambling, between credit card and chess, because like a game plus money or financial instrument. Um, and then okay. I was like, all right, I'll buy well, it. I'll buy it. So we got prize pool and backgammon. Yeah. Three, two, one. Tournament. Poker. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. Three, poker. <coughs> wow. Poker and tournament. Yeah. Is that what we have? Okay. Jeez. How do you? I There's mean, so it's, the answer options. is poker. There, but there is only one option, and it's poker tournament, <laughs> <laughs> which we cannot say. Right. Um. Okay, I, I guess I got one. Okay. Three, two, one. Las Vegas World Series. World Series oh. in Las Vegas. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I, I think I have one. I think I have one too. And I think afterwards I'm going to get to tell you why it's wrong, even though it's going to win us. It. Ready? Three, 
Yeah. Two, one, Rio. Rio. They're moving it's, it, are they? Yeah, they moved it. It's not actually at the Rio this year for the first <laughs> time in forever. I can, actually it? don't know where it is. I can't. I can't tell you. I don't know the answer hmm. to that, even though I should. Um, for the first time since I think 2003 was the last year it was at Binion's. Um, it's been at the Rio ever since until this year, and this is fascinating stuff to listen to. Riveting stuff for an NFT podcast. Um, we got to talk about an NFT Go before we before we go though, huh? We should talk about it. That's just a fun website there. NFT Go before Thank we you. go. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Maybe, maybe we should we should tell them that so then they can use that in other marketing. NFT Go before you go. Go. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, how often do you use NFT Go? Like, I, I'm checking it most days now because I think it's it's just such a good resource. Um, yeah. Well, so actually, one thing that I had on my to do list recently that I'm going to be using NFT Go thoroughly for is. I've just been looking through my wallet and seeing I have a lot of stuff that I uh, bought for more than it's worth now. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out which of these projects I want to sell and which ones I still believe in. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, if you have enough NFTs, you can't really follow all these projects. Um, so my plan is to use NFT Go to find which of these communities are still sort of thriving, even though the floor price has come back. And which ones seem like projects that there's no longer a lot of interest in, mm-hmm. and I should just cut my losses and run on. Um, so, so that's my next plan for how I'm going to be using NFT Go. I, while you were talking, I just had another idea. Before we recorded, you had the idea to play a game where you go through my portfolio, oh, my, yeah. my wallets, find a collection, and see. Do, do you want to do that now? No, because I, no? I, I okay. <laughs> but that is something that I brought up ahead of time. Yeah, no, just because like. In NFT Go, you can very clearly see like how many from each collection you have. Like the portfolio of you, I use quite a lot. Yeah. So the idea that I had brought to Roy earlier was that um, it might be fun to just play off the fact that he has such a big NFT collection um, that he no longer has any idea what's in his NFT collection, and so I could just sort of pick a middle of the pack uh, project and ask them how many pieces of it he has. And, and see how wildly wrong he is about some of it because he's so out of touch with stuff that he bought seven months ago or whatever. This is this is this is correct. I think I, I don't know. Maybe we'll play it next episode and, and we'll see yeah. how I do. But um, yeah. I mean, uh, the portfolio view is probably my favorite part of NFT Go. I check it. it. It does a really good job, I think, of like hiding crappy NFTs. Like you get Open C and you just see everything, whereas. Yeah. Like including airdrop ones and, and OpenSea is getting better at hiding them and stuff. But um, like the recently added thing, if I go to NFT Go right now, it's just like almost all art blocks because that's all I've been buying over the last right. week. Yeah. So th- for a while, it seemed like the thing was OpenSea would just block the um, Polygon airdrops, which was mm-hmm. good. But but I guess people have just found a way to airdrop without spending so much gas on F mainnet that there's just a yeah. lot more of that happening now so they can get around that. And so now we're having to see all these other airdrops that we're not interested in, too. Yeah, there's and one. So, um, like they keep like they keep airdropping like ads, like posters, like uh, it's a gutter. Yeah, it's almost, I think it's a gutter cat thing, but so it's annoying. not a gutter cat thing. Yeah, uh, I don't want to throw the gutter cat gang under the bus, but um, anyway, I, I think it's yeah. I, I don't think it's from actually gutter cat gang. I think they're sort of just using the name or are sort of um trying to appeal to them, but I'm, I'm not mm. actually sure because I don't pay that much attention to airdrops. But I've definitely seen these sort of advertisement, basically, 
ones yeah. where they go, oh, mint date is this day, and it's just now it's an NFT in your wallet. That That is just telling you about some other thing that they want you to get interested in. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to mention one more thing about NFT Go. I just clicked on the uh, market overview section, and it has like a market sentiment barometer. And as it was loading, it was like it was stuck on one out of 100. And I was like, I mean, maybe that's about right. That's <laughs> pretty low. Up. It's a 28 of 100, which is cool. And that to me sounds about right. Market sentiment yeah. is not high right now. Right. But it's been lower. But it does seem like we've we've sort of like bottomed out. Like there was, you know, as we talked about earlier with the US terror and stuff, there was a lot of fear and stuff like that. But for the most part, it seems like people have done the selling. We don't really yeah. have to worry about um, any tax-based selling again for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are kind of vaguely happy with their bags at this point, it seems like. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I I, I woke up today feeling oddly bullish. Um, I think I tweeted something along the lines of, uh, like, the floor prices of at least, like, the decent collections and the more established projects They've been like holding steady and strong for quite quite a while now, and it's almost yeah. like we're running out of people willing to sell um, or drop undercut. Yeah, yeah. All right, this has been episode forty three of Two Board Apes. Sounds about right. All Sounds right. about Thanks right to me as well. Thank you for listening. Two board apes talking NFTs, DeFi, and some random stuff. <laughs> Two board apes talking NFTs, DeFi, and some random stuff. <laughs>